Thank you for joining us for this week's sermon. Here at Back Creek Church, we are focused on connecting people with the hope of the gospel. With this week's message, here's Pastor Matt Carr. We are in Colossians, the New Testament letter of the Apostle Paul to the church in Colossae. Uh, We're in chapter 2, and today we're going to be looking at verses 1 through 5. Colossians 2, 1 through 5. Now, last week, we, we began uh, by talking about the Karate Kid and uh, the bonsai technique and how pruning is used as a barrier to, go, to growth. Uh, it, it's used to keep a tree from being deeply rooted. But when you want a tree to be deeply rooted and when you want it to reach its full potential growth, Pruning is also necessary. And pruning means to selectively remove branches from a tree. They could be uh, dead branches. Uh, They could be sick branches. But they could also be strong, good, and healthy branches that still need to be cut back to ultimately improve the tree's structure to direct new and healthy growth. Pruning is always painful. Loss and change and transition is always painful, and that's something that we have experienced together this week. Unwanted but necessary changes to our staff. And even when we have clarity on the reasons for pruning, it doesn't make it easy. On the personal level, we hurt for our friends whom we love. At the church level, we grieve for ministries that are losing relationship and people who are going to be affected. But one thing that we need to be especially attentive to is the threat that this kind of change can be to the peace, purity, unity, and prosperity of Back Creek Church. When you became a member, you just heard uh, new members, the selves, uh, make a, a vow uh, to this congregation. They committed themselves to seek the good of the church and the glory of God. And yet that promise that we make that all of us make when we unite with the church, it's challenged when we are faced with the painful process of pruning. And as is always the case, God's word is right on time. It is always the most relevant word for us at any given moment. And in his providence today, we are in Colossians 2, 1 through 5. And the Apostle Paul is addressing a church that is experiencing open threats to its peace, purity, unity, and prosperity by people who are offering to the members of that church a Jesus plus gospel. Now, thankfully, the immediate issue for Back Creek Church is not false teaching. But this is still very much a a pivotal moment for our church in these essential areas. And in this passage, Paul teaches the Colossians, and through them he teaches us to fight for community. And that's the big idea of this short passage, is to fight for community. Now, how do we do that? How do we do that, especially when something happens that shakes us up and makes us feel hurt or sad or afraid or disappointed or disoriented or confused? We go to God's word. And so if you're able, I'd ask you to stand in honor of God's word, and we'll read Colossians 2, verses 1 through 5. For I want you to know how great a struggle I have for you and for those at Laodicea 
and for all who have not seen me face to face, that their hearts may be encouraged, being knit together in love, to reach all the riches of full assurance, of understanding, and the knowledge of God's mystery, which is Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. I say this in order that no one may delude you with plausible arguments. For though I am absent in body, yet I am with you in spirit, rejoicing to see your good order and the firmness of your faith in Christ. The grass withers and the flowers fall, but the word of the Lord endures forever. Let's thank the Lord for his word and ask for his help. Holy Spirit, we thank you for inspiring and preserving this word through the the pen of our brother and father in the faith, Timothy, as he listened to our brother and father in the faith, Paul. And Lord, we thank you that you took this letter from Tychicus and you brought it to the church in Colossae. And Lord, that you have preserved it throughout the ages, allowed it to be translated into our language so today you, Holy Spirit, could minister to your people through it. And I pray that you would, Lord, that it would have its intended effect. We know that your word never returns void, but always accomplishes the purpose for which you send it. And Lord, I pray that today, again, that promise would hold true. We trust that it will, and so we wait eagerly and expectantly for for you to do what only you can do. And we always ask in the name of Jesus, amen. Maybe seated. I will never forget... Uh, my first Sunday as your lead pastor. We had a baptism. It was Judson Latch. I helped Miss Kelly Nunu this morning with the communicants class, and Judson is in there. And it's amazing to see him embracing the promises the Lord made at his baptism with his own personal faith. We also had the Lord's Supper. And I'm sure that I preached a forgettable sermon because I, I was incredibly nervous. I also remember after the service, we had a picnic up at the barn, and the food was really good, and the people were really nice, but the, one, the number one thing that kept happening at that picnic is that people would come up to me, Bat Creekers would come up to me, uh, and they would tell me their name, and they would look me in the face, and they would say, almost verbatim, almost to a person, we're glad you're here, we've been praying for you. We're glad you're here, and we've been praying for you. And hearing that, and hearing that said sincerely over and over again, immediately knit my heart to yours, to this community. See, Back Creek had been through, probably not just one, but, uh, but it had recently been through a difficult season of change and pruning and transition. And that isn't always an opportunity. For the enemy to get God's people to fight with one another. And yet by God's grace, members at Back Creek Church were fighting for one another. Fighting for community. And even fighting for this young pastor. Because it was several years ago now. This young pastor whom they had not yet met face to face. And they were fighting through prayer. And Paul wants the Colossian believers and the neighboring Laodicean believers, most of whom he says he has never met face-to-face, to to know that he was fighting for them in prayer. Verse 1 says, For I want you to know how great a struggle I have for you. He was fighting a spiritual conflict on their behalf and for their benefit. 
that they might grow more deeply rooted in Christ and more deeply rooted in community so that the peace and the purity and the unity and the prosperity of the church would stand firm in the swirling storm. And that's why Paul was praying. And that's why he was wrestling. And that's why he was writing this letter. And so as we face storms together, not only in this current moment, but as we move forward in fulfilling our mission of connecting people with the hope of the gospel, we know that we will be opposed by the world, the flesh, and the devil. And when we face storms together, how do we fight for community? Four things. First, we struggle for one another's encouragement. We struggle for one another's encouragement. What was Paul fighting for on behalf of the Colossian Christians? That their hearts may be encouraged. I read something yesterday that said, nearly everyone you meet, nearly everyone you meet is insecure, overwhelmed, and under-encouraged. Think about that for a minute. Nearly everyone you meet is insecure, overwhelmed, and under-encouraged. And that reminded me of another quote that rings true. There is no such thing as too much encouragement. Encouragement is the action of giving someone support, confidence, and or hope. And none of us have too much of those things at any given time. Even the people who seem the most confident and the most self-sufficient are often compensating for the insecurity, discouragement, and loneliness they feel. Encouraging does not mean coddling. And it certainly doesn't mean telling someone something that isn't true. That's a, that's a counterfeit version of encouragement that is very connected and related to this idea in our culture that love is affirmation. That you simply tell someone what they want to hear, and that's, that's love. No, that's not love. And telling someone uh, something that's not true to make them feel good, that's not encouragement. Encouragement means acknowledging and naming and celebrating what is good and true. And Paul's letters are filled with the command to Christians, to churches, to encourage one another. Romans 1, 11 and 12. I long to see you, that I may impart to you some spiritual gift to strengthen you. That is, that we may be mutually encouraged by one another's faith. Romans 15, 5. May the God of endurance and encouragement grant you to live in such harmony with one another. 1 Thessalonians 4.18, encourage one another with these words. 1 Thessalonians 5.11, encourage one another and build each other up just as you are doing. 1 Timothy 5.1-3, do not rebuke an older man, but encourage him as you would a father. Younger men as brothers, older women as mothers, younger women as sisters in all purity. 1 Thessalonians 5.14, encourage the faint-hearted. And Paul in this letter is modeling what he commands, what, that we struggle for one another's encouragement, that we encourage one another and build each other up by praying for one another as Paul does for the Colossian and the Laodicean believers. And we encourage one another by acknowledging and celebrating what is true and what is good. Right now, we can put this into practice. We can and we should express gratitude and love to and for Pastor Mantooth and Hunter and Anna 
for their service among us and for the impact that they have had in our lives. We can and should acknowledge and celebrate the commitment of the student ministry committee and the student ministry team and the finance team and the deacons and all of these parents of students and everyone who is engaged in these aspects of our church life together. We can and should call out and lift up one another's gifts that bless our faith family. But even beyond encouraging one another, concerning one another, as Christians, we have an advantage. We don't only get to to call out what is good and true about each other. We get to point outside of ourselves. And we get to point to the God of endurance and encouragement to encourage one another with truth about his nature and his character and his faithfulness. We can remind each other that even in times that threaten real discouragement, that the Lord is sovereign and that he is good. That he loves us and that he has brought us together in this faith family for such a time as this. That he has not, will not, cannot abandon his people. That Jesus is building his church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. That nothing in all creation, neither death nor life, nor angels nor demons, nor principalities, nor power, nor anything in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen? No Time is the right time to go through difficult change. But right now is always the right time to fight for community by struggling for one another's encouragement. Struggle for one another's encouragement. Number two, struggle for one another's belonging. Struggle for one another's belonging. I don't know anything about knitting. But I I do know that Shannon's grandmother, who was in her late 80s uh, when I came into the family, was a knitter. And that one day she took yarn that was pretty uh, by itself and had a purpose, and she brought it together. And she knitted for me a, a garnet and gold blanket that was beautiful. And that's a picture of Christian community. Paul says that our hearts are knit together in love. And that is a a true and eternal objective reality. The God who is love so loved us that he gave his only son so that we could be restored to loving relationship with him and brought into his loving family forever. We are knit together in the love of God forever as brothers and sisters in Christ. But practically and experientially, that takes hard work. All of us long to love and to be loved, to belong. But all of us are also afraid. Belonging requires being known. And being known puts us at risk of being rejected. So even though we long to be loved and we long to belong, we'd like to stay where it feels safer. What does that look like? Well, it looks like maintaining a safe distance from people. So they don't get to see you as you are, and therefore they don't get to love you for who you are. It looks like smiling during the greeting time and saying, how are you? Great. How are you? Fine. See you next Sunday. And never going beyond the, present, the pleasantries that we regularly fake. And even though this might feel safer to us, 
Even though this might feel safer to us, it's actually much more dangerous to our souls. The Bible tells us from the very beginning that we were not created to be alone. We were created to be in community. And Christ has redeemed us for a community called his church. And we are to fight for that community, to struggle for one another's belonging. And how do we do that? Well, it requires us to take a risk. One thing that I've been enjoying in my community group is that close to the end, uh, we just go around the circle and we share highs and lows from the previous week. Uh, and, and that can stay at a very surface level. But I, I've been impressed and blessed as people in my community group have opened up and have really talked about real joys and real sorrows in their lives. And what that does mutually as we hear and listen and validate the good and the bad in people's lives and we pray together for those situations, it knits our hearts together in love bit by bit and makes us feel more and more like we belong. The same thing happens. And we show hospitality to one another and we welcome one another into our homes and into our lives. We receive each other, accept each other, listening to one another, affirming one another in the areas that we can. It happens when we have honest conversations with one another that are not easy, but allows the other person to feel heard. And I've had a number of opportunities for those this week. It happens when we choose to stick with one another and to say, this is where I belong. Even when it's difficult and even when it's disappointing. We fight for community when we struggle for one another's encouragement, when we struggle for one another's belonging, and when we struggle for one another's assurance. Struggle for one another's assurance. The Colossian church members were really wrestling with their old sin patterns from their lives before they met Jesus. And they were being offered solutions through mysterious wisdom and knowledge that their pagan and Jewish mystic neighbors and friends and family members were trying to share with them. And their confidence and their assurance that Jesus was in fact sufficient for their salvation and for their growth was being shaken. And Paul says that he was struggling for them to reach the riches of all assurance of understanding and the knowledge of God's mystery, which is Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. I want to make sure that we understand that assurance of salvation can be a struggle, even for strong and mature believers. It's something that I have wrestled with in different seasons of my life, something that I have really had to fight for. And it's something that, honestly, I have needed my brothers and sisters to stand by me and fight for with me. One of the ways that that happened is that in, when I was in seminary the first time, it took me two times, but when I was in seminary the first time, I was really wrestling with a dark night of the soul. I was exhausted from working at UPS in the mornings and going to school full time. And I was just struggling with 
where was God in all of this? Even in my theological studies, I was learning about God, but I felt disconnected from God. And I was wrestling with assurance of my salvation. And, and one of my, my brothers, I was just telling him honestly about what was going on with me, feeling like I, I belonged with him. And he was encouraging me. But the way that he encouraged me was not to point to myself or my gifts or things about me and my life, but rather to point to God's truth as it's summarized in the Westminster Confession of Faith about assurance. And I just want to read what he pointed me to. True believers may have the assurance of their salvation in diverse ways, shaken, diminished, and intermittent. This can happen by negligence in preserving it, by falling into some special sin which wounds the conscience and grieves the spirit, by some sudden or vehement temptation, by God's withdrawing, the light of his countenance and allowing even those who fear him to walk in darkness and have no light for a season, yet they are never utterly destitute of that seed of God and life of faith, that love of Christ and the brethren, that sincerity of heart and conscience of duty out of which by the operation of the Spirit this assurance may in due time be revived and by which in the meantime they are supported from utter despair. He was telling me that even though I was struggling with assurance that God was holding me in his hand and that the people of God were surrounding me so that I could have the full riches of assurance that God was for me and not against me. And it changed everything. We need to fight for one another's assurance. For our kids, for our students, for our young adults and families, for our middle-aged folk, for our empty nesters, for our senior adults. We need to constantly struggle for the riches of full assurance that come only through knowledge and understanding of Christ as the ultimate treasure. Fighting for community means centering our community on the one in whom we have community. It means pointing one another to Jesus in as many ways and as frequently as we possibly can. We fight for community and we struggle for one another's encouragement, belonging, assurance, and lastly, we struggle for one another's good. Paul wants the Colossian believers to be encouraged, to belong, to be assured in Christ so that when others try to do evil to them, they are protected. They're protected from being deluded by seemingly plausible arguments, and they are preserved in their good order and the firmness of their faith. He is struggling for their good as individuals and as a church. And I remember one time when I was in high school, I was sitting at the lunch table, and uh, I, I was a gullible kid, um, and, and I think that was known. And so a group of my so-called friends had decided to spin a yarn and tell me something that was really hurtful and disturbing about someone else that I was friends with in the school that wasn't true. Um, but since I, I was gullible and they were telling this story and it sounded so compelling and it sounded so true, I, I just... I began to get really upset, and I began to get really embarrassed for this friend, and, and, I, and I was going to go confront them and, and challenge them, and then I noticed that I had one true friend at that table. And, and that true friend uh, helped me out, and he did it by giving me one of these. 
Nobody else saw it. It was incredibly subtle and small. But he saved me in that moment from hurt, from embarrassment, from potentially broken friendships. I needed my community to fight for my good. And it was a simple, subtle struggle. It didn't require much, but he encouraged me. He let me know that I belonged with him. He assured me of what was true, and he preserved all my good with a simple gesture. And that's what we're called to do with and for each other. Paul models for us how we are to fight for community. One of the regular good questions that people ask when I talk about our value of deep connection is, well, we're only with this particular community for a few hours a week. How is it that we really develop deep connection? And I think that's a great question, and I think that is a a real challenge. But I want us to remember that, that Paul had never even met most of the people to whom he was writing. And yet he was struggling and fighting for unity and community and connection with them. He says, for though I am absent in body, yet I am with you in spirit. And we have incredible tools that Paul could never have dreamed of. Right? Who knows how long it took for Tychicus to make the 1,000 mile journey from Rome to Colossae just to deliver this letter. And we can send an email or a text In a matter of seconds. We can drive to one another's houses or places of work in a matter of minutes. We can meet each other out for lunch or for coffee. We can have the Bible at our fingertips with the ability to copy and paste. We can fight for community in ways that Paul could never have even imagined in his day. I'm not pretending that it's easy. But it is necessary. And it is worth it. Right now, in the midst of this difficult season, it is the perfect time to commit or to recommit yourself to the value of deep connection, to fight for community by struggling for one another's encouragement, by struggling for one another's belonging, by struggling for one another's assurance, by struggling for one another's good. We do that together. Let's pray. Oh, Lord, our God, thank you for your faithfulness. We thank you for the truth and the trustworthiness of your word. And we thank you for the operation of your spirit that illumines our hearts and minds to receive your word, to believe what it says, to be encouraged and built up by it, to be transformed into the image of Christ. And so, Lord, I I pray today that Once again, you would allow your word by your spirit to do its work in our lives and in our hearts and in our community. And Lord, I pray today that you would take this season and Lord, make it a time where we have grown in relationship with one another like never before. Help us to fight for community according to your word, for encouragement, for belonging, for assurance, for good. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.
You can find additional sermons and learn more about our ministries by heading to backcreekchurch.org. We'd love to see you in person for our worship service at 1030 on Sunday mornings. We hope you enjoyed this week's message. Thanks for listening.